Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is brought to our church by our worship pastor, Brian Self. We hope that this message will be an encouragement to you, and we would love to hear how God used it in your life. I love the passage of scripture that we're going to be looking at this evening. Uh, If you have your Bibles, turn over to John chapter 11. John chapter 11. And uh, I've entitled this message, Answers. Uh, If you have been around the Bible um, for a while, if you've read through the Bible uh, before, you might remember that John 11 uh, contains some great... uh, some great peculiar things in the Bible. Uh, it has the shortest verse in all of Scripture is in John chapter 11. Can anyone uh, tell me who's not Pastor Fountain uh, Sr., can anyone tell me what verse is the shortest verse in the New Testament? Yep, John eleven thirty five. Jesus wept. Uh, I should have said no Bible college graduates. Uh, it's just unfair, Christy. Uh, but it has the shortest verse in the entire Bible, Jesus wept. And uh, this is in relation to that story. It's a few verses before, uh, but in John 11 and starting in verse number 20, uh, we're going to see Jesus give an answer, give a couple answers to a lady who is going through a very difficult time, really one of the darkest periods of her life. Um. On a slightly lighter note, uh, answers normally have a right or a wrong reply. Sometimes they don't don't necessarily, but we would know the answer to the question, 2 plus 2 equals? (sighs) Most of you were right. Chocolate and peanut butter is... It is... Good. It is pastor's favorite combination. It is all of those things. Uh... True or false, dogs belong in the wild far from civilization. That's true. I, how, okay, I'm preaching a whole different message now. Uh, no. Uh, so some answers have right and wrong. Some answers are more subjective. I don't like dogs. The rest of you are evil and like dogs. No. Uh, answers are so important sometimes. Chocolate and peanut butter being good, not good. Pastor's favorite, not pastor's favorite. Doesn't really play a huge thing uh, in the grand scheme of things. But some answers make all the difference in life. It makes the difference in how we look at ourselves, how we look at other people, how we view the circumstances of the world around us. All of it is dependent on the answers that we have for life's questions. And in this story... And in these chapters, uh, there's been, Jesus has had most of his earthly ministry now. Uh, The vast majority of it has happened. He has worked miracles. He's preached parables. Uh, He has healed those that uh, were sick, that um, had issues of blood, that were paralyzed, that uh, had withered or, uh, or paralyzed hands. It was just... He went around doing good, but he also went around with the message of the kingdom. That message was that he was the one that God had sent that was going to bring about God's kingdom. But the religious leaders of the day didn't like that. 
the religious uh, or maybe the political zealots of the day didn't appreciate that he wasn't actively leading and compiling an army to fight against Rome. With all of the expectations that people had had of what God was going to do, Jesus didn't fulfill any of those. No one was looking for the one who was going to, by his own righteousness, save us and take our sins upon himself. So the Jews have rejected him. Uh, Just a few days prior to this story, Jesus was in Jerusalem. There was a great feast. And Jesus says, before Abraham was, I am. And uh, the Jews of that day realized that he was claiming to be the I am of the Old Testament. Yahweh, Jehovah, the all-sufficient one, he was claiming to be God himself. And so they picked up stones to try and kill him. Jesus and his disciples escape to uh, what's termed beyond Jordan, or uh, it would have been a town called Bethany that was beyond Jordan, when a messenger comes with some news. And the messenger comes with this specific statement. Lord, he whom thou lovest is sick. Now, all of us have, had, have interacted with sickness, especially over this past year. Uh, in one way, shape, or form, sickness has changed all of our lives over the past year. I was talking with my wife, Samantha, earlier, and uh, a year ago tomorrow, uh, I preached here on a Thursday night about walking in truth, uh, and then just a couple days later, baby B was born, and the day after that, everything got shut down due to COVID. But the, the message that comes with this man's sickness He was a man named Lazarus. Now, Lazarus lived with his two siblings, Mary and Martha. Uh, We'll look at kind of their story a little bit and what the Bible says about their relationship with Jesus. But these were dear friends of Jesus. Bethany, the town where they lived, was just a few miles outside of Jerusalem. It was very close by. So even the messenger going to Jesus to tell him, hey, we need you to come to where Lazarus is, is almost a little bit dangerous in and of itself. The disciples tell Jesus, hey, you know that when we were just there in Jerusalem, they tried to kill us. They literally picked up stones to stone us for what you had said. But Jesus, he waits two days after the messenger comes and tells him about Lazarus's sickness. He, he tells the sisters, this sickness will not end in death, but for the glory of God. So he sends the messenger back. They wait two days where they are beyond Jordan, and then they head to the town of Bethany. And this is where we pick up the story in John 11 and verse number 20. It says, Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him, but Mary sat in the house. Uh, let's pray and open us, our service in a word of prayer and um, just ask for God to speak to our hearts this evening. Dear Lord, thank you so much for your word and God for uh, the encouragement that it is and Lord for for the piercing sword that it is to us that uh, God, it shows us what our hearts, uh, what our heart's intent is. It tells us what we're thinking, the motives that we have. And Lord, we ask that you would uh, show us who we are tonight. Show us maybe faults that we have. Show us areas that we need to give to you for healing And Lord, we ask that you would be glorified in everything that takes place. Martha comes to Jesus 
and uh, she has some doubt. Now, Martha has had a pretty bad habit of doubting Jesus's intents. Uh, it says there, I believe it's in verse number 21, Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. And uh, Martha says, Lord, if you had been here, if you had shown up when we had asked you to show up, Lazarus wouldn't have died. We believe in your healing power. We've seen it before. We've seen some of these incredible things. But you weren't here. It's kind of a, you dropped the ball. You didn't do what was right. You didn't do what was good in this situation. But she still has faith that he can remedy the situation. She says, but I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. She says, you can, you can pray to God and God will give you whatever you ask. So it's almost a thing of, hey, uh, I don't know if you've thought about this yet, but maybe you could pray to God and ask him to raise my brother. Uh, she has had this habit, and we can even see that back in Luke 10 when we're introduced to Mary and Martha. It says, Now it came to pass as they went that he entered into a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was encumbered about with much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bitter, therefore, that she help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Back in this story, you have... Uh, Martha's sister Mary is sitting at Jesus' feet and listening to his teachings and what he's been saying. And Martha was so busy with the serving that she was doing, trying to get a meal prepared for Jesus and for his disciples and for everyone that would come to hear Jesus that day. And uh, so she was so busy, but she doubted Jesus' intentions of, hey, Jesus, um, you know, God in the flesh. Have you noticed that uh, you could be making someone else help me to prepare this meal, to do all of this? And Jesus gently rebukes her there. Uh, whenever you see in the Bible a name mentioned uh, a couple of times here, Martha, Martha, I think of uh, Mary Magdalene in the garden of Mary. Mary, it's always this term of endearment of, hey, focus in on this, focus in on what's happening. And, uh, and here Jesus says lovingly, you're, you're careful, you're anxious, you're troubled about so many things, but one thing is needful, and that was sitting at Jesus' feet, hearing his teachings. So she's kind of had this history, this past of doubting Jesus' intentions. She's always had faith that Jesus was able, but she has this doubt. And Martha feels in this passage like she has a specific need, which is for her brother to rise from the dead. You see, by the time Jesus got to Bethany, uh, Lazarus was already four days dead. Now, that was very important for the Jews of that day. For whatever reason, through whatever uh, thing had happened, they thought, okay, the spirit of a person, their soul, will kind of rest over where they died. It'll rest over the body for up to three days after they died. Where they'd gotten this particular superstition uh, is kind of unclear, but they thought, okay, three days, there's a chance the person will all of a sudden just start breathing again. They'll be fine. There's at least a chance 
that they'll make it. And when Jesus and his disciples came, Lazarus was four days dead. By this point, all hope was lost. And uh, if you read the rest of the story, you'll see they had already put Lazarus in his tomb, completely uh, wound up in his grave bindings and his grave clothes. And so Martha feels like she has this specific need. Hey, God, I need you to raise my brother from the dead. And she believes that God is able to meet that need if Jesus asks God. Uh, Don't you feel like sometimes we have some needs that we want to bring to God? Uh, Sometimes financial needs that we say, God, man, I I really need just a little bit more for uh, this payment, for this bill, uh, for this thing that I'm trying to save up for. I I just need a little bit more. I'm not making it. And God, I, I need you to help me with this need. Sometimes it's a relational need that we have. We say, God, I've, I've tried everything I can, and I just can't seem to reconcile with this sibling, with this parent, with this loved one, and there's just this rift here, and I need your help to try and fix this need. And Martha feels like she has a need. So then we see that Jesus responds to Martha's need, and he tells her this in the verse. Jesus said unto her, thy brother shall rise again. Jesus tells her that God has already promised to meet her need. Uh, We'll see this in verse number 24, uh, but uh, God had already promised in the Old Testament people had expected that there was going to be a resurrection in the last day when those who believed in the Lord would rise again. We can see this in Job chapter 19. It says, For I know my Redeemer liveth, and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. And though after my skin worms destroy this body, Yet in my flesh shall I see God, whom I shall see for myself, and mine eyes shall behold, and not another, though my reins be consumed within me. Job here, uh, living in the time even before Abraham, very ancient uh, in the Bible timeline, says, hey, I know that even when my body is dead and gone, I know that I'm going to see God in my flesh with my own eyes. And uh, so there was this already promise, this expectancy of resurrection. And so when Jesus tells Martha, thy brother shall rise again, he reminds her, hey, you already know that there's going to be a resurrection, that death is not the end for the believer in God. And he makes it clear to her that he's not just a stepping stone or a ladder rung to get closer to God. Uh, With kind of how Martha phrases her question, it sounds like, Hey, Jesus, I, I know you're important at all, but, but God's really the important one. He's really the powerful one. So would you pray to God that, he would, uh, that Lazarus would be raised from the dead? And Jesus says, hey, if you want God to raise him from the dead, God's already promised to do that, and it's going to happen one day. Uh, but he makes it clear, hey, if you just want God to do something, God has already promised I'm not just a stepping stone to get close to God. Uh, sometimes people can use other people as stepping stones. Uh, my brother Sammy is here tonight at the camera. Uh, my brother Sammy's here tonight. And uh, as kids, sometimes uh, he is eight or nine years younger than me. And uh, whenever me and my sisters, Harmony and Hannah, wanted our mother to say yes to something, 
we knew that, uh, you know, 12-year-old Brian and, and 10-year-old Harmony and 8-year-old Hannah might not be able to pull it off, but if 3-year-old Sammy goes up to mom and says, can we, you know, whatever it was, sometimes it was even, hey, can we play video games? And you know the 3-year-old can't play video games, but when he asks for a favor, you're more likely to say yes to the 3-year-old than to uh, the 12-year-old kid. And, uh, and so sometimes that can be used as a stepping stone. And this was almost kind of the, the thought pattern or, or what Martha seems to be asking of Jesus of, I know God can answer this for me, um, but, but you're like closer to God than I am. You're more favored of God than I am. And so why don't we try this? But Jesus responds, hey, thy brother shall rise again. If, you, if you're just looking for God to do something, God has done something and he has promised to do something. So then Martha realizes what Jesus is saying here. And so she replies, Martha saith unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Uh, so she says here, okay, I know exactly what you're talking about. I know the promises of scripture. I know what's been talked about and the expectancy that we have because of our faith in God. Martha realizes that God's already promised a resurrection, but then in kind of an unstated question, asks Jesus if he would do something before then. Uh, you could almost kind of put an ellipses at the end of this sentence. I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day, but, and this is kind of the thought that she has here. Uh, unstated questions always crack me up. I think of it with my wife, uh, Samantha. I feel like maybe I do it more to you than you do it to me, but maybe a question like, are you going to finish those fries? The question that's actually being asked is not about if she's going to finish the fries. It's, will you give me some of those fries? And this is kind of uh, what Martha is saying here. She says, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. But then Jesus tells Martha her true need. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? So Jesus says to Martha here, I'm not just a stepping stone to what you want. I'm not just uh, a step towards your brother's resurrection. And I'm not simply someone to meet your needs. I am both what you really need and what you think you need. You see, Martha's true problem was not a dead brother. It was a dead faith. That when she came to the Lord, it wasn't a thing of, hey, Jesus, I believe that you can do whatever. It was almost this accusatory, you should have been here sooner, but I know that you can get me to what I want. I know that you can get me to my need being met. And how often do we do that with God? That, Lord, I'm, I'm going to doubt your, your goodness toward me. I'm going to doubt your intentions for me, for my family, for my future, for the future of this church. I'm going to doubt your intentions. I'm going to doubt what you can do. I'm going to doubt what you can do in America. But, God, I, I'm still going to pray for revival. But, uh, but why didn't you do this before? Why didn't you have this person get elected? Why didn't you have this problem not exist in my family? Why didn't you let me get this promotion so I could give more? And we treat God, we treat Jesus 
as just a stepping stone to get to what we want. And when it doesn't happen that way, we get disappointed in, uh, in the stepping stone, if you will. We say, Jesus, why didn't you do this? Why weren't you here sooner? If you had been here, my brother had not died. But Jesus was not simply the means to get the answer. He wasn't just the power that would get the resurrection. What he told Martha what, was that he is the resurrection and the life. I love what he says in the verse. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. He gives this promise that, Martha, it's not simply that one day your brother will rise again, but through my power, he will live. Uh, I love uh, the phrase in here, though he were dead, is, is a conditional statement. It's, it's like, even if he were dead or even if he was dead, yet shall he live. And he gives this promise to her of it doesn't come because you had some doubting faith. It doesn't come because you begged and pleaded. Instead, what's happening here is that because of my goodness, because he believed in me, he will live. And then he, he makes a statement to her. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. So the former statements about her brother, he was the one that though he were dead, yet shall he live. But now to her, he gives this statement, whoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. So he offers her, hey, you can choose to have faith in me. You can choose to believe in me. Um, we've been going through Hebrews 11 uh, in, uh, in Pastor's Strength for the Day podcast. And I think of Hebrews eleven six: he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. I think of Romans chapter two where it says, knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. When we say, God, you're not good, we are running from a repentant heart before God. And as we've heard many times from James four, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. And what a stiff arm in the face of God when we've said, God, because you didn't do what I thought you were going to do when I wanted you to do it, that I don't know if you're good anymore to me. I don't know if you're everything that I thought you were. Instead, even in the hard times, even when you lose a loved one, even when life itself, as you know it, comes crashing down, realize that Jesus isn't just a stepping stone to get you to a better life, to get you to a better financial status, to get you into a better relationship. Jesus is the whole point. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. For the one that's dead and needs to live again, Jesus is the answer. For the one that is living, but is living a dead faith, for the one that doesn't believe anymore in the goodness and the greatness of God and in his power to be able to do whatever he deems right. Jesus is there. He says, I am. This is what he has. So then Martha realizes her true need. She gets it finally. She goes, okay, this, this wasn't necessarily about me convincing Jesus to raise my brother. He had come for that express purpose. He'd already said uh, to his disciples, Lazarus is dead, but I'm, but I'm glad that I wasn't there when he died, 
because you are going to believe because of what's going to happen. Just as he told the messenger that came from Mary and Martha that the sickness would not result in death, but in the glory of God. And so Martha realizes the whole point, that it wasn't about convincing Jesus to raise her brother. It was about him teaching her about the faith that she needed to have in his goodness and in his greatness. So then she saith unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. What I love about this verse is that this is a dramatic statement. Normally we focus on, uh, we focus on the apostle Peter and his answer when Jesus says, hey, some of these people you know, say that I'm John the Baptist, that I'm one of the old prophets. They say I'm this and that, but who do you say that I am? And Peter says, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And that's an incredible statement. But here we have a person that has been deeply hurt. Uh, there's a, it's not an old song. It's an older song. The song entitled, Four Days Late. Uh, it says, when he's four days late, he's still right on time. This was a woman that had gone through the despair of having faith in God and really having faith that God was going to come through on her timetable. And when God didn't do that, can you imagine the heartbreak? That these weren't just random people that didn't know Jesus. These were Jesus' friends. The, the uh, call given to Jesus when they said that Lazarus was sick was, He whom thou lovest. So to have this heartbreak that comes on her, that then when she comes to Jesus and says, I know whatever you ask of God, he's going to give it to you. And Jesus says, your brother will rise again. Almost kind of this thing of God's already promised that he's going to raise him in the last day. But she has kind of this persistence of, no, like I want to keep following and find out an answer. And the answer ended up being Jesus. The answer to the dead brother. The answer to the heartache that she had felt, the betrayal that she had had was that he was the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one of God, the son of God, which should come into the world. She didn't say this to a person that she thought was going to be maybe this great king that was going to take out Rome. She didn't say it to someone that she thought was going to be anything other than who he was. She professes faith in him, realizing it's not about me, it's about him. And I can have faith in who he is, in his goodness, in his greatness. Martha now understood that Jesus was going to do what he wanted to do. Because he is king and Lord, and that she shouldn't doubt his love and intentions towards her, Mary, and Lazarus. Many of us would be familiar with the verse in Jeremiah 29 it says, I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you an expected end. And while directly written to the people of Israel, the same is true for us, that God is good to us, that his love never ends. Like the uh, last verse, and in Christ alone, no guilt in life, no fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me. From life's first cry to final breath, Jesus commands my destiny. No power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand. Till he returns or calls me home, 
Here in the power of Christ I stand. What are some areas in our lives that we doubt God's love and intentions for us? Because it can be so easy to do. This isn't just something that someone that uh, runs far from God does. This is something that the people that serve the Lord go through. We can doubt, hey, Lord, I thought you were going to do this. You haven't. I thought you were going to heal this. You didn't. I thought you were going to come through in a bigger way. Think of uh, the first verse of the song that the choir sang on Sunday. The pastor sang, walking around these walls, I thought by now they'd fall but you have never failed me yet. You see, in our lives, we can either treat Jesus as our Lord or as our servant. And this was a lot of the realization that uh, Martha came to was, I've been treating Jesus like a servant. Come here when I want you. Do what I want you to do. Uh, This is how she was treating Jesus instead of treating Jesus as the Lord the one who was in command of the situation, the one who was the one that was going to make all of the decisions. Instead, she was treating him as a servant of do this, do this. So often we can do that in our Christian lives. That God, I want you to do this, 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 and this for me. Instead of asking God, what do you want of me? What do you want from me? What do you want me to do? So he's me to the question, how are we treating Jesus this week? This week, have we treated him as a servant? That when someone is a, is a servant, is an employee, maybe we'll, we'll go talk to them when we feel like it. As opposed to treating someone as a Lord, we would go to him every day. That we would be going to him constantly and saying, God, what would you have me to do? How are we treating Jesus this week? Not only that, but maybe as as we've talked through all of this, you don't know Jesus as your Lord. You don't know him as your Savior. See, as I mentioned a little bit at the beginning, Jesus came to die for us. All of us are sinners, each and every one of us. We've sinned. We've done things that break God's law. And because of that, the Bible says that the wages, the earnings of sin is death. And because of that, there is a punishment that must be paid. Uh, Not only physical death, but the Bible talks about death forever, permanently in hell. That's a terrible thing. And that's why Jesus came and died for us. John 3.16 says, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And the Bible tells us exactly how we can be saved, how we can know. In Romans 10, 9 and 10, it says this, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. You see, Jesus came, he died on an old rugged cross for us. He had lived a perfect life, completely without any sin, without any blemish, completely unlike any one of us. But he didn't stay dead. He rose again after three days. We'll celebrate it in four weeks at Easter. It's uh, one of my favorite times of the year as a Christian to rejoice in Jesus' resurrection. 
and he offers salvation as a gift to us. It's not something that we earn. It's not something that we uh, get enough brownie points with God that then we can go into heaven. It's not something that if we put enough money into an offering plate or give to charity enough that we can go to heaven. It's not if we uh, get dunked in a baptistry. That doesn't get us into heaven. What gets us into heaven, as the verse says, is confessing with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believing in our heart that God has raised him from the dead. Have you asked Jesus to be your Lord and your Savior? It doesn't happen by default. The Bible makes it very clear that he that believeth on the Son hath life, and he that believeth not on the Son of God hath not life. It is the biggest, most consequential decision you could ever make in your life. What are you going to do with Jesus? If you've never made that decision, please talk to me or to Pastor Carlos after or uh, to Pastor Fountain Sr., and uh, we would love to talk with you uh, about knowing Jesus as your Savior. For us, we can either treat Jesus as our Lord or as our servant. We do that by when do we come to him? How often do we come to him? Uh, We can treat him as a servant by only uh, going to him when we need something. How are we treating Jesus? as our Lord or as our servant. Martha realized her true need was, I need to believe in Jesus as the Christ, the Son of God. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope that it's been an encouragement to you. And if you'd like any further information about our church, we'd like to encourage you to visit mlbc.church.